0: Hello, and welcome to episode 62 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering arena content.
1: Yep, basically we're just regular dudes drinking regular beers, and we're talking about Magic the Gathering in particular, MTG Arena.
0: And once again... One of my favorite episodes. I say that every week, but it really matters for the last two weeks because we're doing another Drunken Vorthos, this time for the Neon Dynasty stories. Uh, So as always, these are our story episodes where we only talk about the characters and not the cards. Um, But it wouldn't be a Drunken Vorthos episode if it wasn't a Silver Series.
1: Yeah, that's right. So as you know, here on the Arena Regulars, we rate our beers on a scale of bronze to mythic. Uh, These are the tiers in Arena. And in this rating system, silver represents kind of, well, it just represents the macro brew, sorry, macro brews, or anything that's kind of uninspired and, and contends with the macro brews. And so a silver series uh, in order to show that, hey, we love silver beers, too. It's not, it's not a knock against them. We're drinking all macro brews tonight, and we're going to rank those, uh, the four different macro beers we bought, from silver four to silver one. Of course, four is the lowest score and one is the highest score. Mm-hmm. With that, what's on tap?
0: So I've been wanting to do this one for a very long time. Uh, I feel like I bring it up every time we're going to do a Silver Series, and for some reason I can't find it or something happens, something weird.
1: Um, I was shocked when you said we hadn't done it yet. I was like, yeah, sure we have. That was the first one.
0: (laughs) And it wasn't. Um, But this is Moosehead. So it's a Mm -hmm. lager from Canada, and it is 5%, and this one was started in 1867. Wow. Crazy. I,
1: I... I was shocked to see that. I I mean, I just didn't... I guess it's just so prevalent here, I just never think about where it, when it's actually from. Uh, but to see this one was the oldest one on our list was kind of surprising.
0: Yeah, and I'm excited to see uh, how this measures up to some of the other ones, because it's one of my favorites when I came to Canada, because I was like, yeah, moosehead. That sounds like a sweet... Canadian beer. (laughs) It's old. I like it.
1: And so with that let's get on to things but of course before we begin we have to put a little disclaimer here. We're basically about to tell you literally everything that happens in the Neon Dynasty story and probably even more than that. So if you you know don't want any spoilers uh, or you aren't ready yet you want some context of what happened before this story started, you should go check out our last episode.
0: Yep, that's right. Because uh, we break down everything that happened in old Kamigawa up to this exact point where we're starting the story right now. All right, Jeff. Where should we start? Probably just the the beginning of <laughs> just where we left off, basically, from last week?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking maybe, like, Kaito's childhood would be a reasonable place to, to get started that, here. That
0: makes sense. Um, Kaito if you don't know, is our Marquee Planeswalker. Uh, The first one... Spoiler alert. Well, it it was spoiled earlier. Everyone knows now. (laughs) Um, It was like the art that that was shown for the plane. So we've seen Kaito for a long time.
1: Yeah. If you're like thinking of, you know, an image from Neon Dynasty, it probably is the one with Kaito in it. It's probably this one.
0: Um, Funny enough, so we have Kaito and um, Aiko, Iko? I don't know how to pronounce it. I,
1: say, I was pronouncing it in my brain as Aiko. Aiko.
0: So Kaito and Aiko are twins, more twins in the magic universe. Look at that. Yeah. Um, and they both live in a ganjo, which, as we know, is where the Imperials live in Kamigawa. And uh, basically, a lot of the samurai are there and they protect the emperor.
1: Yeah, and so basically, they're, they're young kids and they're training. So, they start with what's called general training, I guess, but then after a few years, they're kind of, they have to pick a major. And uh, they have to kind of start to focus into a specific part of how they serve the in the dynasty, how they serve the imperial, uh, how they serve a Ganjo and the emperor, basically.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, um, and there's a lot of different tracks to go into, but we are immediately kind of shown that kaito is not maybe the best student and also a little mischievous that's
1: right and, and also another important theme that he uh loves food
0: yeah that's right uh so we have a scene where he's uh basically going into a kitchen um through a window and he can run around it with stealing a bunch of food and also has telekinesis powers that we find out uh to make sure that things don't fall and break or um uh, you know, no one can hear different sounds, so he'll pick up objects and all those kinds of things um, as he tries to escape uh, unscathed, which is something he seems to do quite a lot, is uh, jumping in windows and, uh, you know, sneaking around.
1: Yeah, so the opening scene is him, you know, sneaking into the kitchen and he steals some, I think it was mochi ice cream, I think, that he took, or or some something that involved mochi. Mm-hmm. And then he runs off and we find out that he's going to meet his sister for training. But he causes a whole bunch of mayhem, including uh, shattering a bunch of dishes. And then the kami, which is one of the spirits that does essentially the dishes
0: in <laughs> it's the, the, dish in the castle,
1: looks up and sees the, the cook who was chasing Kaito in front of all the broken dishes. So he basically got this guy in a lot of trouble with a spirit. But... Yeah, that's the kind of guy he is. Yeah, It it encapsulates him all right there. You know, he's shifty. He could escape, uh, and and he was quick. Uh, He loves food. (laughs) And he's a bit mischievous, and and kind of he was late for class because he was doing this. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And um, Aiko, his sister, is um, fairly different than he is. She is more studious, uh, cares a lot about the imperialists and what their agenda is and making sure that mm-hmm. she can uh, do her due diligence and uh, be an honor- honorable person in society, uh, especially in the eyes of their mentor, who is Light Paws. Uh, right. We'll just have a Light pause here for a moment. For Light Paws?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but uh, we kind of find out that they don't really have a good uh, par- parental story. They don't really have a family. Light Paws seems to be kind of their only... Um, superior as far as like uh, anyone who is looking out for them their parents are kind of out of the picture
1: yeah exactly so light pause, i guess is supposed to be their their trainer slash exactly like you said kind of parent figure yeah. um, and when kaito shows up to his session he's expecting to just spar with his sister because that's what they've been doing under the general training is i guess that just means like combat training cuz yeah. hey. So
0: you just fight until you decide you want to be a diplomat is basically that's, what
1: that's that's, <laughs> right. that's right. And you know, uh speaking of which, his sister informs him that she's, you know, chosen a major uh that she wants to be a kami uh, diplomat. So somebody who can speak to the spirits and smooth things over uh because, you know, the humans piss off the kami a lot and then They're going to need people to kind of smooth things over. after.
0: Exactly. Because as we go through this story, we'll start to realize that the spirit world and the the regular world, I guess, is slowly merging Uh, little by little. They continue to collide into each other, uh, which we talked a bit about last week um, that they are crossing over. But it seems to be a sort of impending doom of like a climate change almost where like it's like, it's happening, and we're starting to see the effects of it.
1: Yeah, so that's what she chose to do. And Kaito hadn't even really given any thought to what he wants to do. He, you know, still wants to go through general training. We kind of find out that Aiko was, had wanted to do this for a while and was holding back in general training, hoping that Kaito would, would choose something, you know, find his path. Um, but she finally decided she can't wait any longer. She needs to start studying, you know, preparing for her future, studying what she wants to do.
0: That's right. Um, however, uh, the, uh, you know, Light pause isn't just gonna let uh, Kaito get stuck behind. Uh, they do kind of have an idea of what Kaito should be doing. Um, mm-hmm. he, Kaito knows for sure that he doesn't wanna be a samurai. That's a big thing that could happen. He's pretty good at sparring, and a lot of people just get thrown into being a samurai and just protecting the throne. Not interested in that at all. Didn't want to do that. And uh, now, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't remember. Does Kaito... Kaito becomes friends with the emperor. They're both children at this time. And the emperor, uh, is he like... He meets her first, and then they start sparring, right?
1: Exactly. So at this point, uh, pause says, you're not going to spar with your sister. You're going to have to go see the general, the samurai general, um, like shining arm or something. And... When he goes to see the general, it's he realizes that he has to spar with the empress or the emperor now, because she needs a sparring partner for whatever reason, Mm. and they heard he's pretty good with a sword. And that's when we get the flashback that he actually already knows the emperor, their their friends, which is likely why he was also selected for this task that she uh, knows him
0: knows him. But it does seem like. Uh, the general isn't doesn't know that that the general doesn't know that that they're sure. they're together they're and maybe together. the empress has something to do with it or the emperor um, because they've been communicating through a uh, paper um, wall or a door basically so he can only okay. see her um, shadow so there's a really cute idea of that like they continue to have conversations between this paper wall and he's never actually seen her face before and she hasn't seen his just because. Uh, it makes it, yeah. it it's acceptable. Uh, of course, someone who's very high in royalty would not probably be around someone who's so mischievous like this. Uh, so they both kind of have this really, really sweet um, connection, which becomes extremely important throughout the story.
1: Essentially what happens is he's on one of his mischievous stunts and you know, running away as he happens to find himself in these situations. And that's when he thinks he's gotten away with it You know, he hears this young girl talk to him, and he, because he thinks it's a peer, she sounds about his age, and he can't see her. He just tells her the whole story of everything he got up to, Um, and only later realizes that that was the emperor. Like it's, you know, he looks up and he's like, "Wow, I'm in the emperor's garden right now. I must be talking to the emperor."
0: Yeah, he he Uh, didn't go out to try to become friends with the emperor. It just kind of
1: happened. Right, Um, but I think you know she probably liked that he talked to her as a friend would rather than everyone else in her life must talk to her as the emperor and are
0: also old. And she needs right. someone her, her own age to, to connect with. Um, yeah. So uh, they begin the sparring and uh, Kaito knows that he's not supposed to um, hold back and that the point is to keep the emperor sharp. And so he starts going into it and becomes starts giving it his all Uh, which tends to be not uh, extremely precise and a bit more um, aggressive, I guess. And the Emperor does a wonderful job of blocking everything that he can uh, bring at her. And she, you know, uh, disarms him and gets to hold both of the the wooden swords to his throat, basically winning this match, which also kind of wins his heart a little bit, I think. In that moment, he realizes, oh, she is more than just this person that I talked to this window. She's actually... uh, Really great at what she uh, has learned how to do, and um, I think I mean like through this, we know that he loves her. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's a love story. It's never explicitly told, but uh, you know he has very much love for his friend. But we know, we know, kind of. Yeah, I can see right through you.
1: Yeah, that scene just made me think of like a street fight. You know, old school Street Fighter. Someone mm-hmm. pulls like a twelve move combo, and she just perfect parries every single one, and then whoopses. Yeah, and you're like, whoa. <laughs>
0: Um Damn. <laughs> I, I did like to to note at this, this point that there is this cute love story that seems nice and subtle and feels organic, as opposed to our love story with Chandra and Adeline from the last Drunken Borthos, where
1: Yeah, it feels very forced. it feels
0: very forced and overt. Um, the moments where they're mm-hmm. trying to hint at it, which weren't quotations hint, just kind of smacking you with it. So um I did enjoy this bit a bit but anyway i don't want to get stuck too much on kaito's uh childhood because there's a, a lot of stuff that happens um but there is one point where um we meet um satsumasa i believe is how you say that uh who's a moon folk from the uh the city which is um atawara which I always read as Ottawa. <laughs> when I was reading, it's like, oh, they're from Ottawa. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, yeah, just Ottawa. Which is especially funny with this weekend and everything that's been happening. But um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, that's where all the moon folk live. And uh, basically, Kaito meets them in the garden. Uh, and then they kind of have an exchange of, like, you're not supposed to be here, but you're also not supposed to be here, um, which kind of eventually results in, uh, well, sorry. I want to back up a little bit. The moon folk that live up in Atawara, they are very focused on the future and progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're pushing right. the limits of what technology can do. And uh, in comparison, the imperialists on Aganjo are very focused on regulating technology to make sure it's safe for everyone. Um,
1: and these yeah, so- ideologies are, are going to be in conflict throughout our, our journey. Exactly. So if you remember from uh, last episode, again, if you didn't check it out, go check it out. Um, but we talked about how, kind of how the technological burst happened. And there were the goblins that created foci that made energy more powerful, the kami the magic more powerful. But the futurists were the ones who sought to get this the magical energy that the kami have without being given it by the kami. They were seeking ways to get that magic for themselves directly. And these were the two kind of innovations that pushed the technological advancement. You could get a little bit of energy from the futurists and then focus it from the aki. And so that's who the futurists are, these people that want to push this technology and kind of not rely on only being given access to magic when the kami, when you're in their good favor. Yeah.
0: Um they also live in this floating city, uh that um basically is heavily guarded. Not not extremely, but um it's kind of known that they have
1: it's like said that it's heavily guarded, but then it's been easily penetrable <laughs> yeah, at every plot point in the story. Yeah.
0: Um <laughs> but uh But basically, it's kind of known that they have technology that they kind of shouldn't, but nobody really knows for sure. But they are pushing the boundary, and something is being made up there that uh, kind of shouldn't. Um, In any case, we meet um, Katsumasa, and uh, Kaito is given this crane drone. And there's a lot of technology that folds out into different things. So it's kind of these origami uh, robotic pieces that that kind of do what you'd like. And uh, this one specifically turns into a crane and flies around. And Kaito can uh, see through the crane as it's uh, going around.
1: Yeah. And we also learned something pretty important about Kaito, about his parents, um, that basically they were, they were laborers essentially, and they got poisoned basically um, from their job. And, the legal technology to cure them was too expensive. So they procured a solution from the black market, but they were caught uh, with this illegal substance and thrown in prison where they died.
0: Yeah. I think the dad was thrown in prison and the mom just died. The dad outside. was thrown in prison. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And so this is seeing that, Oh, there are these factory workers in the undercity, um, which is like the dirty area. Um, mm hmm. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of this illegal technology being made. um, Illegal uh, in the imperialists' eyes, Uh, not necessarily everyone else on the plane, which we'll continue to see that um, everyone has their own kind of idea of what technology should be and how involved it should be in their lives and how not, and um, the imperialists are the ones who are...
1: I mean, when it's medicine to save you from your poison that feels like that's a rough one to for me to be on the imperial side of it.
0: Yeah. That. I mean, that's a thing that we deal with in our everyday lives. That um, I guess not so much in Canada but in in America. Um yeah. In insulin.
1: Yeah, but it's yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know, like getting thrown in jail for buying like black market insulin It's crazy.
0: Yeah. That I mean it, it's not exactly those those terms but uh but yeah, yeah if yeah. there was something weird going on in a The company didn't like that you were taking their, uh, patent or whatever. Anyway, uh, back to the magic world. Um, (laughs) we also know that, um, uh, light paws has come. So also we didn't explain this before, but light paws is a kitsune. So, uh, this is a fox.
1: With seven tails.
0: Seven tails. Very important. Um, and the tails on a kitsune, uh, basically show how old they are and how wise they, um, They are. So through their life, they kind of start with one and slowly grow other ones through certain events or um, milestones.
1: And given that Eight and a Half Tails was a legendary figure, you know, in previous Kamigawa, I think seven is a lot.
0: Mm -hmm. Seven is a lot. And fun fact about Eight and a Half Tails, uh, used to have nine. But then after um, kind of doing some uh, dirty deeds with Konda and kind of convincing Konda to do some shitty stuff, uh, felt bad about it and cut off half of a tail to say I, won't, I don't deserve nine.
1: I've lost wisdom mm-hmm. like, or whatever. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but anyway, all right, so uh, light Paws conf- Light pause. Light confronts Kaito uh, and tells him essentially that like, you are no longer going to be training with the emperor because through this and through meeting Katsumasa, Kaito is kind of becoming a futurist and b- believes a lot of these ideas.
1: Telling the Emperor. And telling yeah, I mean, the I'm Emperor. Say, yeah.
0: So um, the Emperor never really holds on to it. It seems like they kind of had discussions and the Emperor listens and is really nice about it. And they, it doesn't seem like he's just filling her head with junk. But she does happen to tell someone about it, which we find out through Lightpaws being like, you are no longer around, like able to yeah, be around. Emperor or I
1: even him. got the impression that Lightpaws is just spying on them, basically.
0: Um, oh right! Right. Like, yeah, he yeah. said
1: something about like she. You know why would she do as that? As important as the emperor, you don't get pri- privacy. Basically. Yeah,
0: that's kind of shitty. Light pause. Yeah. Anyway.
1: I know. Fucking
0: light, Fu- pause. Fucking light pause. Um. Yeah. Hey, get out of get out of my private conversations You're not my
1: real mom. Yeah, you're you're not my real
0: dad. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, basically now Kaito has nothing. It's like, hey, you need to choose a major. And uh, ba- basically become a samurai. Paz is like, become a samurai. And like, you
1: can't, yeah, you're going to be a samurai and you're not going to be friends with the emperor. And that's emperor, it. Basically. And Kaito's
0: like, I don't want to be a samurai and I only want to be friends with the emperor. So, yeah. no. Uh, they kind of have an ex- <laughs> explosive argument and Kaito hides. Classic. Classic. But we have an incident that evening. A big one.
1: I would say it was pretty big.
0: Yeah, yeah. pretty big. Um, we talk about it a lot. <laughs> it, it might be an inciting incident. <laughs> right, inciting, <yeah. laughs> And um, so... Go ahead, tell yeah, tell us what happened. I don't
1: remember exactly what uh, the, all the hubbub was about, but there's a lot of hubbub, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, I know what it was about, but I don't remember exactly what set off, but the alarm goes off in the Aiganjo Castle, which I guess just sends everybody wild. It means there's an intruder. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, obviously, the first thing Kaito thinks of is the intruder's here for the emperor, and she's my friend, so I need to go protect her. Yeah, or makes help, sense. Help, basically. And so he, you know, he knows how to get around the palace unnoticed because of all his scheming and whatnot, and he knows the direct routes to everything and the shortcuts. So he's able to kind of beat everyone there, and he gets to the throne room, uh, and he goes and he sees that the great kami that overlooks... So, uh, if you remember from last time, (laughs) Kayodai is the great kami that, you know, uh, Mishiko helped free, and and together they were able to save Kamigawa. Kayodai still overlooks everything and and bonds with the emperor. So this was one of my questions, though, before I go on. Um, If you remember, Kayodai changed things after, like, all of the infighting Mm-hmm. uh from the previous emperor and coyote now chooses the new emperor it's like more of a political process sort of <laughs> did he choose a child
0: that's also what i was thinking i was like why did you <laughs> choose a kid um,
1: why is the emperor a child if not by birthright because that's not how it works anymore in Kamigawa." So clearly, Coyote chose this child, little girl, mm-hmm. to be the emperor.
0: Now, I, I think that is exactly what happened, that a child was chosen to become the emperor, and that um, this is the only way it can really be explained is because of this magical being that would be able to see something in them that, that no one can see. Only a magical
1: being. Yeah, but be I feel like see. they kind of blew past it. So unless it's one, it's a side story that's going to come out or something. I remember just being like, "The emperor? Why is the emperor like six? Yeah. or whatever. Why is <laughs> the emperor a kid if they're chosen by the kami that oversees?" The uh, yeah,
0: we don't know how long
1: this emperor has been the emperor.
0: We also don't know their name. Like, they don't. They're just the emperor.
1: And it wasn't like she was the heir to the throne or something. And they, yeah, they didn't she's say the that emperor. she's just the emperor. She's a child.
0: The emperor is a child. Um, and we don't, yeah, we, at this age... I mean, I
1: understand that she ends up being badass, yeah. for sure. Like, I
0: guess, no, but... you're right. They're, like, really young. No, 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 no. No, at this point, they're, like, 14.
1: I mean, it's, yeah, it's still pretty young, though.
0: Yeah, but it's not like, I mean, maybe they picked a six-year-old, but maybe they also picked a 12-year-old. Th-
1: that's what, I like... This person seems pretty ensconced by the time the story starts was my thinking. But, yeah, I was imagining, like, a Mm 10-year-old as the emperor.
0: (laughs) Anyway, that is a thing that happens. Uh, Kayodai decided that a child is going to rule Kamigawa. Um, And maybe that's a reason. in
1: Alberta, 14-year-olds can drive in Kamigawa. They can rule the entire place.
0: So there you go. And it could be a reason why there are people who don't want the emperor to rule. That that would be a, a really big reason why you're, like, No, this is a fucking kid. Um, Which we'll get to in a little bit. However, um, we are in the throne room, and uh, Kaito can see that the emperor is by this man, this figure, who has an entirely metal arm. Um, Hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's weird.
1: Never. That's odd.
0: Yeah, I've never seen anyone with a giant metal arm before. It's very Mm -hmm. uh, strange. And something happens... And then uh, she's gone, and he flees, essentially.
1: Yeah, and Coyote's kind of like clearly not their best self, yeah. like wounded or injured or like something. Something's going on. Uh, something happened mm-hmm. to the, the great Kami that's in that room as well, which al- also, by the way, is super freaky looking. Yeah, uh, look at a picture of Coyote His body is made out of arms, mm-hmm. like like human arms. And then its face has, like, three masks of Michiko on it. Yeah. It's really creepy really, looking.
0: Not what I was thinking when I was thinking the uh, yeah. Sisters of Flesh and Spirit. But, you know, uh, <laughs> hey, you know, it is what it is. It Maybe over time.
1: Usually the, like, good being that is powerful on the side of good, they usually don't look super creepy and terrifying. That's true. So it's nice. It's nice to see them flip that You're one You're right, around. yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it is a horrifying image uh, <laughs> that brings us comfort. So that's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> in any case, uh, Kaito is freaked out by uh, this metal-armed man who then escapes. Yeah. And uh, when all the guards and samurai get there, they do not believe Kaito's story because that's a ridiculous thing. No one has a metal arm. It must have been someone else. Uh, and they blame it on uh, one of the other people uh, groups of people in kamigawa It, it kind of changes over time. It doesn't really matter who it is. It was like,
1: they just need to pin the blame. They, on somebody, they right? make it first. It was the future. And then
0: you know. they decided it was somebody else. Um, yeah. so it was like, they're just like, we just need a place to point our anger, um, which is very normal, uh, in our world. And, uh, and yeah, that's kind of the end of the first chapter. Um, and, uh, which we're, we're, you know spent a lot of time on that which is great um but i am getting close to the end of my beer so i want to quickly talk about kaito's quote-unquote origin story um which is a separate uh, article that we got um, quite a while ago um, and quickly talk about him and how we got his spark which is a big deal because kaito as we know is a planeswalker
1: yeah exactly so uh, i did just want to quickly say that in the, this is all told through Kaito's perspective. So it seems like the council is being ridiculous, but in their defense, it's like a 14 year old that came and said, yeah, the emperor just vanished. And then some guy with a metal arm ran and I chased him along the roof and he vanished too. That's what happened. I mean, I can't blame them for not believing him and thinking it was probably one of the emperor's enemies that did it. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Anyways, so Kaito leaves because, you know, he had the talking to with Light Paws. Light Paws didn't believe him when he told him about the, mm, the thing, the, you know, man with the metal arm who vanished. And so we're about a year after that now. The emperor is still gone and Kaito is still looking for her. And the best way he's thought of to do that is basically to connect with the criminal underworld because they have a lot of connections and they have a lot of spies so if if she ever turned up or if they ever saw a man with a metal arm they would know
0: and uh those uh criminals are the hyozen reckoners
1: who huh that's interesting we we know
0: a little (laughs) bit about them they might have been formed by Toshiro umezawa and hidetsugu uh So they're still around. Crazy that you can keep a crime organization around that long. That's amazing, Uh, and they're also run by Satoru Umezawa. So hey, keeping the family in the business. um, How and I mean Umezawa got back. They lasted
1: longer than the emperor's family. You know Umezawa's crime lord family. Is still led by the Umazawa's, but the yeah. Emperor's family is no longer that.
0: Family. My question here is that Toshiro Umazawa was then kind of banished to Dominaria. How did we get an Umazawa back in Kamigawa? That's what I want to know. I don't know that. Um, somehow he came back. Maybe Toshiro had a baby child, baby child, a baby mama somewhere.
1: Yeah, I mean he must have had the baby before getting banished. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't even know. Maybe
0: he Maybe didn't, he even, didn't know. even know. Uh, but the whoever gave birth to that child sure knew because that's the name that they got. And then
1: made sure to tell them, hey, the Reckoners mm-hmm. are your blood right." Yeah,
0: so you take it. <laughs> um, they did learn from the last time when Tashir was there is now when you get initiated, you have to get this loyalty tattoo on your body. <clears throat> you have to be 16 year right. old, years old to get it. So that's why um, luckily Kaito does not have one. But if you end up uh, crossing the Reckoners in any way and breaking the pact... Uh, The tattoo will consume your body and kill you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so Kaito kind of proves himself, does a couple of low end jobs, just like pickpocketing people who owe Satoru money. Uh, But he does it really well. Like, as soon as Satoru puts the, the job up, within the day, Kaito has the money for him. And, you know, after a few times of that, he summons Kaito into his office and says, All right, I have a more important project for you. Uh, there's this Tameshi guy, he's a moon folk, and he's been, you know, the word on the street is that he's been basically innovating with some new technology. Uh, And he knows the rest of the criminal underworld will hear about this soon, so he needs it now. So he's like, Kaito, you gotta go steal this guy's technology so I can sell it on the black market. Yeah,
0: and uh, this next bit um, is quite long, so I want to kind of, we'll quickly speed through it, uh, because... Getting to the point where he actually gets his spark is the most important part, um, but we do find out that uh, this Moonfolk, um, uh,
1: what's his name, Tameshi, uh,
0: Tameshi, right? So Tameshi is in the Jukai Forest. Uh, we go over there, and as we're going through, uh, um, we meet up with Aiko because she is this diplomat now. She can talk uh, some sense, or right. she's training. So
1: you remember the Jukai Forest. The kami protected and don't like humans entering, so he couldn't get in without some help. So he called up his sister, who is a kami diplomat.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty good. Um, they eventually get there, and we fight a little bit with Temeshu when we meet up with them. Uh, but then later, find out that oh, it's okay. We don't actually have to fight, um, and we kind of uh, run into a this kami spirit. That uh, what is it? It's like a little, uh, it's like a little fox looking thing, kind of with, like, balls around the top that seems yeah, to have exactly. some sort of tie with uh, Kyodai. And Aiko reveals that w- the night that the man with the uh, golden arm, the, the night with the man with the metal arm came and uh, stole, essentially, the emperor away, um, Kyodai made a big light, and a kami kind of came out of that light, and we believe that this is the same kami that was there because it seems to have some sort right. of ties with coyote
1: eye. Yeah, and just to clarify, it's a tanuki, uh, which I had to look up because it said it a few times, and I could tell from the art what it was a little bit, but uh, it's a Japanese raccoon dog. Oh. It literally looks like a cross between a raccoon and a dog.
0: So I knew <laughs> tanuki was a raccoon. I wasn't sure if the kami was mm-hmm. a tanuki before it w- something happens, um, but the reason I know the word tanuki is because in uh super mario 3 when he gets the feather he turns into a tanuki mario which is like he has a tail and he can fly
1: that's what the raccoon mario is yeah
0: if you play mario if you play the most recent mario kart it's tanuki mario is the one you can pick and he goes tanuki (laughs) which i love okay so the whole every time i read that word tanuki i was like oh tanuki
1: (laughs) i read it and i was like i don't know what that means i'll just soldier on but then it came up a lot and i was like all right Turns out I need to know what this word means. It's a (laughs) raccoon dog. Um, It's basically a Japanese raccoon, but they they do have more dog-like features than the raccoons we're maybe used to. I guess so. Anyway.
0: um, But anyway, so we have this separate kami spirit, that's a Tanuki, and then we also have, uh, Temeshi has this drone, which is also tanuki drone, right?
1: Yeah, so Temeshi is trying to build, like, armor for kami that... I don't really understand what he was. He's trying for. to get
0: the Kami to go into the technology and like be a this like Kami robot kind of. He's like right. trying to mix and then like them go together. Go back
1: into their spirit world so he can understand.
0: Yeah, because he wants. So he wants spirit. to merge a Kami with a drone, because then the Kami can go to the spirit world and he can look at the footage while it's in the spirit world and learn more about right. the spirit world. Because
1: because gotcha, yeah.
0: mortals can't really cross over to the spirit realm. Unless and
1: he's expecting the merge that we alluded to earlier. Yes.
0: Um, so that's what most of his research is about. Now, when they're there, some shit happens. The Hios and Reckoners were following Kaito, and so they get in a fight. But then the Jukai monks come out and then help in the fight, and the three of them try to escape. And then they run into this other spirit, and some shit happens um, where yeah. Kaito like saves the Kami's life. And then, in the end, the kami becomes his best friend. That's kind of what happens throughout it. Um.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But we basically learned that the kami was also looking for the emperor. Yes. That was kind of uh, what their goal was. Why that kami. That's why they were in the forest. Yes.
0: Um, And through this act of Kaito saving the kami from this uh, other spirit that's in the the forest, um, that kami decides that it will merge with this drone and become his personal uh, kind of kami drone spirit, as Kaito is trying to give it off to Aiko to bring it back to the uh, Ganjo, and as Tameshi trying to get force the kami and the the um, technology together, it won't work. Now, this specific Tanuki spirit uh, is uh, kind of partnered with Kaito because of this incident, and decides to uh, mesh in with the metal for him, and now he has this magic Tanuki robot thing that's like a drone but it's also like this Tanuki on his shoulder, and it's also a mask that he can put on.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it like turns into a mask randomly. After they kind of decide, hey, we're going to look for the Emperor together, it shapeshifts into a mask. He puts it on, and... Well, what happens when he puts the mask on? Spark.
0: As Aiko's like, hey, what's going on? He walks somewhere <laughs> else. Um, I would like to mention that this is uh, a moment for Kaito is... Uh, extremely exhilarating from saving this yeah. this uh, basically this Kami and then the feeling he gets from being around it and putting it on is just so immense that that's what makes him planeswalk which is really interesting because every other spark story is like something horrible happening it's always yeah, yeah, it's- some terrible incident where someone's about to die or their family's about to be killed. Like
1: all of your family and friends were burned. You just killed your brother. Entire town. Yeah.
0: Your parents were just burned to death. Like all those really intense things. You are about to die. All your, you, you, all that stuff. So this was one that was like, Hey, this is nice. Um, you, you're fucking happy to put this Tanuki mask on.
1: Whoa, different world.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, it's still kind of like he thinks his best friend is kidnapped and wants to find her. but
0: but it, you know, yeah, it, I guess it's a different it's like I need I, you have a mission as opposed to like this desperate attempt to like not die, um, which tends right. to be the case like, yeah, with um, exactly. most of our planeswalkers <laughs> that we meet. Um, but with that, uh, that is the end of that moment and the next story picks up nine years later, ten years after the emperor has left, where the rest of our story. kick off
1: so that concludes act one
0: it does conclude act one (laughs) Uh, but let's go grab some more beers and have a beer break before we get on to act two this beer break is brought to you by our patrons over at patreon
1: That's right. You're already supporting the show just by listening. But if you want to support the show even more, the Patreon is the best way to do that.
0: And when you become a patron, you get an exclusive invite to our After Party, which is a mini episode recorded immediately after this one, where we ramble on about stuff that probably doesn't really matter at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Plus, as a patron, you get to vote on your favorite co-host by, well, either buying me a beer.
0: Or buying me a beer. So go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on your favorite host right now. Do it right now.
1: Or after the show, but right now is better.
0: (laughs) Should they go right now or or right now? I
1: think now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Up next, we got Miller High Life. Uh, I hear. Now, this is just word on the street. This is kind of. The legend, if you will. Because mm-hmm. this beer has been around a long time. It was established in 1903. So a lot of things have kind of been surfacing about this beer. Mm-hmm. I hear that it's the champagne of beers.
0: Mm, yes, I I have heard yeah. that.
1: Don't tell anyone I told you.
0: Yeah, it's a secret. You, no one else knows that. Uh,
1: it's like the secrets in this story. Everybody knows them.
0: Yeah, everybody knows all the <laughs> secrets in this story. Um, but... Uh, Miller High Life. I don't think I've ever had this beer in my entire life.
1: You know what? I was thinking that, too, when I bought it. I've had uh, MGD, like Miller Genuine Draft. Yeah, yeah, I've had Genuine Draft. And I think I've had, like, Miller Light, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've ever actually had this one.
0: And this is the original one. um, But I see it all the time. Yeah, 4.6%. Yeah. When I think about this beer, I think about the cans. Uh, that don't have the pull tabs from like the '60s or whatever that you have to like oh, punch yeah, yeah. the top,
1: puncture. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, um, you need like a can opener. <laughs>
0: yeah, literally. Uh, which seems actually pretty awesome. We should bring that back. Uh, yeah. You You should have tools to open a beer, not just a, it shouldn't just come with them.
1: Or at least ingenuity. You know, exactly. you don't have the tools. You know, where there's a, a will, there's a way. A screwdriver or whatever. All
0: right, um, Jeff. Let's get into our next chapter of this story right here yeah it is 10 years later they or 10 years since the emperor has been taken and uh kaito has been traveling through the multiverse looking for the emperor
1: yeah i kind of wonder what the hell he was doing at this point because he obviously just planeswalk he doesn't really know anything about anything but he's just like popping into random places being like hey do you know where the emperor of kamigawa is
0: and uh <laughs> yeah that's literally but what apparently happened. yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> we hear about it later
1: have you seen a guy with a metal
0: arm yeah uh <laughs> that's what he should have been asking because more people know that than right that yeah. we're the kamigawa emperor they're like i don't know what kamigawa is they're like have you seen the metal yeah. arm dude they're like oh yeah that guy fucks up everything he's around I hate that guy yeah, yeah. he's the fucking worst <laughs> he killed my family what yeah. he stole my emperor <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't want to give too much away about who Metal-Armed Man is, so, mm-hmm. you know, I won't... I won't
0: uh, it's true. Yeah, we should... We should. Panic, we, should so, yeah, uh, we only refer this to is Metal-Armed one of those
1: uh, story
0: secrets that, you know... <laughs> that we already obviously know, but uh, of course, of course, we can't uh, talk about it. So, uh, Kaito finally comes back to Kamigawa, though it does kind of seem like he's been here a couple times.
1: Yeah, it's said that he... It's not like he never visited. Mm-hmm. I, but it, I kind of got the impression he like pops back in for a bowl of ramen. That
0: is, I think that's what he does. Um, so as our continuation of Kaito loving food, um, and the descriptions of the food, I don't think any other story that we've talked about so far has talked about something where I want to eat it so much. Uh, but oh my
1: god, I was so hungry. <laughs>
0: they didn't even go into crazy detail about the food. It just the way that he wanted it made me hungry. I don't know. It just it, it was happen. the
1: perfect amount. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't. Too much of the story and describing it in too much detail. It was just like he had to pop by the best ramen shop in like the town to yeah, get a bowl or, or whatever. whatever.
0: And you're like, oh, oh yeah, so good. Um his tanuki as well also has uh, uh kind of a taste for ramen, um, which we kind of find out in some stories. Um also we did not talk about so his tanuki robot uh thing uh has two names. So uh, originally, when they're looking at the kami, they're like, oh, we need to make it a na- give it a name. We'll give it um, Pan Pan Chan. Pon Pan Chan. Okay, perfect. So now we have this cute uh, little thing. However, after merging with the robot, it kind of uh, has telekinetic powers with Kaito and says, hey, my name's Himoto. You should call me Himoto. And then we, we call Te- it Himoto. Telepathic, I think. What did I say?
1: Telekinetic.
0: Oh sure. Yeah, telepathic instead that's of That's what uh,
1: telekinesis has telekinetic. Yeah. Te-
0: yeah. telekinesis is like lifting things with your mind and telepathic is saying things with your mind. There we go. Hey, that's
1: It's going to be an important difference because two main characters in the story have one of those two abilities. It's true. <laughs> I guess I guess Tamio has both. Yeah, yeah. Wait.
0: What? Tamio's sorry, in the story. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. The,
1: the Kamigawa planeswalker might appear in the Kamigawa
0: story. In the Kamigawa story. <laughs> Um but <clears throat> Kaito meets up with Aiko just to say, hey, what's going on? I always want to drop in and and, and talk a little bit. Uh they go over a little bit of what uh, the origin story was, but in the end, Aiko knows something that Tameshi has been doing deals with a man with a metal arm.
1: Yeah, now we didn't we didn't totally like mentioned this but at the end of kaito's origin story he and temeshi had a bit of a bro moment Mm -hmm. where they just like started to like each other basically uh and then what we're supposed to gather is that over the 10 years they've become very close friends
0: yeah and he confides this was
1: the ultimate betrayal because temeshi knows that kaito is searching for a man with a metal arm yeah and now according to his sister temeshi has actually been meeting with such a man and he never told Kaito about Yeah,
0: it. which is pretty fucked up, man. And, like, this yeah. is the kind of thing that... So this is the second time that Kaito has felt that he was confiding in someone who was listening respectfully and then not giving all the information back to him. Right. He felt it a little bit with the emperor, but then was also, like, maybe Light Paws was, like, spying. And now, once again, with um, Tameshi. Right. Which is definitely a betrayal by Temeshi. So it, it stings a little bit as, like, this constant weird, like... Do I put too much trust
1: in people? I don't know. Yeah, I'm literally imagining them hanging out, right? And Temeshi's just, Kaito's like, anyways, couldn't find her there. It's good to see you again. You know, they hang out for a bit. He's like, I, I got to go. I'm thinking Zendikar, this place I've heard of, might have her. So I'm going to go check that out. And Temeshi's sitting there like, oh, yeah, maybe Zendikar, maybe Zendikar. Yeah. And then yeah, he takes and then, off. Then he's like, all right, he's gone. <laughs> and yeah. That alarmed man comes out of the shadows. Gives him, him a start, handshake. Like, yeah. You know, they they pop a thing of scotch.
0: Oh, yeah. No, no, they both get like their cans of beer and uh, the man with the metal arm punctures the hole. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So they can shotgun. Um,
1: Uh, The old school Miller highlights. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you know what is the champagne? What an idiot. They're all just like laughing at Kaito. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, So Kaito decides that he is going to investigate this news and he breaks into Tameshi's lab. And this is in Atawara, which we were talking about earlier, that is supposedly mm-hmm. hard to break into. However, Kaito has this thing that turns off all
1: the security cameras He's a for a ninja while. Ninja Planeswalker, you know? Yeah, it's
0: true. Um, <laughs> he could have just Planeswalk into Atawara, but he doesn't.
1: He's like really reluctant to do that throughout yeah. the whole story, basically.
0: It's very interesting. Um, actually, a lot of Planeswalkers seem to be reluctant to do that as well. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know why. Anyway. Uh, we're in Tomeshi's lab and we're looking for
1: clues. Because it makes storytelling hard when they can just planeswalk to wherever the hell they want. And be given to.
0: You have to make up a, some, some reason why they can't. Um, yeah. But in the lab uh, uh, Kaito can't find anything that seems extremely relevant except for this blueprint for some sort of uh, this uh, weird chip looking thing with kind of blue uh, It's like a jellyfish chip.
1: Yeah, like It has tentacles coming out of it it's just like a computer chip, like a CPU, mm-hmm. that has these tentacles coming out of it. Yeah.
0: Uh, so this is the the blueprint for that piece of uh, technology. So he decides to snag it because it seems important. Um, and he knows that in the Undercity is where Tameshi is doing these deals uh, with the man with the metal arm. That's what ICO had said. So, hey, let's go to the, down to the Undercity because, you know. Um, yeah, so one of my happen. favorite
1: parts about this is there's a message that he finds that's encoded. It's like it was encoded, but Kaito was able to crack the code immediately. <laughs> it's, it's like, what's the point of this plot part that yeah. is encoded? <laughs> <It's> like,
0: <laughs> Just to say, hey, if, if so someone doesn't say, Oh well. That should have been encoded. encoded. It was, but Kaito's smart enough to get over it.
1: And it's like, yeah, being Temeshi's best friend, he easily cracked the code. It's like, okay, yeah.
0: (laughs) I don't. Did you know the name of his childhood pet or something? You know, like, (laughs) yeah. Like, (laughs) was it password? Yeah, it was was probably (laughs) password. So now we are down in the undercity, and we are overseeing Temeshi make this. uh, uh, Wait, no, we're not overseeing Temeshi make this deal. But we're down by this warehouse. Uh, watching the Hyos and Reckoners and this big metal creature that doesn't seem to look like it's from Kamigawa. It's like completely mm-hmm. metal. It does have metal arms. So we're kind of like, is this the man with the metal arm? I don't really know. But it's really scary. But like if
1: some, so nobody would describe that as man with metal arms. No, they'd be like, like a skeletor dragon thing made yeah, out of metal. With eyes <laughs> that
0: are teeth and stuff. Um, yeah. So, I think
1: teeth that are eyes would be weirder. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you. <laughs> um, God.
0: But anyway, uh, so they're, they're putting all these cages onto this ship, I guess, or some sort of transport. Um, and it, we hear Kami are crying. And they seem to be trapped in these cages. And they're using these Kami for something. We don't know. And as one of the Hyos Reckoners is asking this metal skeletony beast thing uh, what to do with this warehouse, uh, it just replies, oh, you know, burn it. Like, fucking get rid of all the evidence. And so they throw this vial at the warehouse, and it catches on fire. And then they drive off.
1: Yeah. Um, do we get the name of the monster at this point, or is that later? I don't... I think he overhears the name, right? Does he? Oh, no, no. He finds out later when he... Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, I I I believe he he finds out later because the first name we're about to hear. Um, So, Kaito, of course, uh, runs into this burning warehouse to find any clues that they could possibly find because this is the only lead and if this burns up, we don't know what's going on. Right. So, run into this warehouse. Everything's on fire and we have a... Just brutally wounded Tomeshi laying on the ground.
1: And I actually really liked the way this scene was written because he's like just runs in and he's just looking for anything that's not on fire to kind of grab as evidence. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything's burning up. He's like, "Can I grab this? No, no, it's ruined." And, and then he turns and he sees Temesi in the corner, up you know leaned up against the wall, clearly like just one look tells you he's mortally wounded, yeah. basically. And
0: very clearly that it was the skeleton that did it right it was was a
1: hole in his chest about the size of the arm of of the the thing thing.
0: Um, Um, monster (laughs) so kaito runs over to Tameshi and uh basically does the classic you're gonna be okay but just keep holding on we're gonna get you help it's gonna be okay i'm I'm here for you and um you know Tameshi just turns around and you know as, as you would uh seeing someone you haven't seen in a very long time I'm sorry, I should have told you about, uh, about the man yeah. with the metal arm. <laughs> um,
1: and then Kaito was like, we don't have fucking time, man. You have like three words left. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me who he is.
0: And so Tomeshi says, Tezzeret. Um, <gasps> what? Tesseret? Man
1: with metal arm is Tesseret.
0: Oh, no. <gasps> Crazy that we're in this like, you know, future world. And there's the, the guy that we know who's horrible. Um, from a lot of other future worlds crazy um, but anyway I, that was the one that I, I liked that, uh, that he did run up to Tameshi and it was the whole thing but I thought it was, it was uh, strange to me that immediately Tameshi knew that he had been betraying uh, Kaito and that's why Kaito was there uh, the only thing right. I regret regret in my life is, is not telling you about that or something.
1: Yeah, that part was a little cheesy. Right? It was
0: literally one line of dialogue that like lost
1: me for a yeah. second,
0: but um, through it, it, it was fine. I, of, I
1: actually would have preferred if he had just been dying and been like tasered. Yeah,
0: that that's place. all he had to do. Because I don't, we none, nobody cares if he's like if they're on good terms. Like he's
1: dying. Like yeah. those things and go also, out the window. <laughs> There's a line later that I'll talk about, but, Mm -hmm. like, Kaito didn't care that much either.
0: Yeah. So, um, in any case, Kaito gets to uh, escape freely, but now we have the name of the man. And Pezzeret.
1: he swipes to Meshi's key card. <laughs> That's Mark's true. Yeah, gets yeah. So him into the lab. <laughs> he pickpockets his buddy who died just to <laughs> yeah. make sure, you know, <laughs> it's like, rifling through the dead body gets his keys. <laughs> Classic
0: dungeoneer, you know? Have you ever played an RPG yeah, yeah. where you kill something and you pick up all their gold or whatever, this exactly. is exactly That's what it is. That's what I was
1: thinking. Of. No, you just immediately my... rifle
0: through the body. <laughs> One of my best friends, he betrayed me, but I still love him. Wait, does he have anything good? Oh, key card. Okay, that could be helpful. (laughs) And then he just like jumps out the window. (laughs) All right. But uh, with that, let's keep going uh, to another portion that we have. Um, After a lot of like you, I guess, does he use the key card at that point? I don't think so. Um, no, no, he,
1: no, no! I think he like goes to the library or some shit or whatever. He's yeah. just like looking up Tezzeret, however he can. Oh yeah, he's
0: just asking everybody. I think he does go to Atowara yeah. to like figure out because they have a library there, I guess, and he's like trying to find yeah. Tezzeret. Nobody fucking knows who Tezzeret is or anything about Tezzeret, but apparently there's a, a story that right? somebody knows at one point that Tezzeret. Someone told a story about someone named Tezzeret in the swamp where the nozumi live
1: yeah i'm trying this was hard for me to piece together how this could possibly be the case but apparently there is one nozumi who is the rat people who knows who tezzeret is but apparently there must be someone else who knows that this Nazumi knows about a tezzeret and <laughs> told kaito about that yeah um, Or like anyways, I guess it it was like a Nizumi. Yeah,
0: so what I think what happened is that there was one Nizumi who saw Tezzeret, and then a lot of Nazumi who like heard about it, but didn't really know if it was
1: real or not. But what's he gonna be able to tell you other than what's in the story? It's like the story. so the story is there was a Nizumi village that was burned to the ground by Tezzeret, or like agents of Tezzeret, or whatever. Yeah, right. But uh, I guess Tezzeret was, like, betrayed by his own people and left there in the burning village for the Nazumi to find. Uh, and then the Nazumi held him captive, and then a dragon came and, like, uh, at, got Tezzeret back somehow. He, like, bargained for Tezzeret.
0: And then because... Of, yeah, so it was a little confusing... It was like
1: that just felt like a whole part that didn't really need to be there. It
0: but. seemed to be something that was alluding to Tesseret had come here at some point, got trapped, and then Nicol Bolas had to come and take him for the War of the Spark yeah, stuff, it, right? That's that's it, kind, of, yeah, exactly. kind of alluded to. I um, think it was
1: trying to like plant that War of the Spark Tesseret Nicol Bolas thing.
0: Yeah, but which like um, now that we're talking about War of the Spark. Um, you no, know, you know what? I, I'll i talk about it later, because I have a little gripe it's about late. Late. it. I'll, I'll talk about it later. But um, anyway, so... Uh,
1: but I guess there was a, a kid, Nizumi, whose parents died in that fire, but saw Tezzeret or something.
0: Yeah. And this like Nazumi No other
1: Nizumi saw Tezeret, even though he was like held captive by Because they
0: all died? A... I don't know. I don't understand. I thought, I thought the
1: that... kid's like still a kid.
0: I thought it burned after Te... it
1: doesn't matter. Why are we talking
0: about this? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so Kaito uh, is looking there, for...
1: there's a there's a Nazumi, there's a rat person. His name is, a kid is Nashi is <laughs> We're
0: but, looking for Nashi. The little
1: may or may not be a lead on Tezera.
0: Yeah. So uh, this is the, the side quest of the story uh yeah so let's just blaze through it kaito goes that's why it has the most holes exactly <laughs> kaito goes into the swamp trying to find him he goes up to like an azumi house knocks on the door says hey can i talk to nashi and they're like no there's never
1: been a nashi they're all here. like fuck you you're yeah. human and we're rat folk, rat folk. And you <laughs> haven't treated us your people haven't treated us well
0: blah 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 um so he hides but then he has his tanuki go over and drone around and then he hears that oh we um We'll send word to Nashi, but we'll have to wait till nightfall. And so then they send their drone out after it becomes dark. And then we follow the drone to Atawara. What? We were just there. Why didn't we find Nashi fucking at Atawara? Why did we go to this swamp?
1: And the, the one thing I wanted to mention is that in the Nazumi swamp, he mentions how there were some people there who were part of the underworld. They were part of a Nazumi gang. But they were called the the something reckoners.
0: Yeah, but they were the Okiba Okiba reckoners, right? Okiba
1: reckoners. But I was like, is every gang just called the Reckoners?
0: Maybe <laughs> now.
1: I wonder why if... is it like wherever I'm from, reckoners? It might be like Come <laughs> up with a new sports team, you know?
0: Like... <laughs> well the reckoners could be like the fa- like a family, you know? Like it becomes like, oh, that's how you know it's a gang, right? Reckoners <laughs> equals gang. And then you're like, yeah. uh it's the Whatever gang, but it's like, oh, the whatever reckoners, and that just because it's been 1200 years, they're like, every crime thing is called reckoners. We're all
1: reckoners,
0: yeah, and then there's the original reckoners, uh, and everyone else is trying to, I don't know, uh, but the Akiba gang shinobi that's a card from uh, original. So uh, Akiba have been around, so you're for suggesting
1: a long time. it's like the it's like a cartel or something, mm-hmm. it's like wherever you're from, cartel, or wherever you're from, basically, yeah, yeah,
0: gang, they, they that has been adopted in the language um anyways doesn't super matter but we go to find nashi oh now Kaito's in atawara again and we end up running into someone uh that kaito doesn't know who they are but we quickly we we know it's tamio because he's having a fight <sighs> With this oh,
1: right.
0: moonfolk, yeah, <laughs> with this moonfolk that has <laughs> scrolls and and does uh, scroll magic. I should have tried
1: to say the man with the uh, metal arm was Tamio. Him, <laughs> get
0: get that in there. Um, yeah, because anyway, so um, they do the classic: hey, we're fighting for a while till we realize that we're actually friends. But the important thing that happens in this is that Tamio has a paralyzing scroll. It's like a spell that she reads that paralyzes kaito and he can't move um and that's where they're kind of like oh actually no we can be friends we're on the same side uh and what do we find out
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it's also i just wanted to quickly say i think it was worth noting that he gets very aggressive in his attacks against her just like he did against the emperor when they were sparring Mm -hmm. and again tamio is able to kind of parry his attacks and buy enough time to read the scroll to paralyze him so it's like again his kind of hubris Bravado, getting yeah. Him into, yeah flying too close to the sun kind of thing turns out he um, kind of
0: sucks he's not really good at fighting
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. he's
0: the only thing he ever you, did you in think his life that
1: by the end of the story he overcomes this right that's what it's actually to. No. no
0: this is really interesting he's not good at fighting but he is really good at sneaking that's the best thing he the yeah. best thing he can do is sneak around and steal food <laughs> like yeah
1: classic but, but classic road but he can't fight
0: um yeah, he's just a one, a flying one-two, but he can't, uh, <laughs> he can't but fight. But yeah, sure.
1: so so Tamio was asking him to stop looking into, uh, Nashi. Uh, he refused by swinging his sword at her. She paralyzed him, and then we find out that Nashi is Tamio's son,
0: like an adopted uh, son. I, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, no, I think there actually was something in Tamiya's story that I've read before that she had like some sort of affiliation with the Nizumi, and hmm. she adopted one whose parents died in a burning fire. Like I actually, when I read this, that memory triggered in my mind that this was part of Tamio's backstory that she had like adopted Nezumi child from a, a fire. That's pretty fun. So cool. I guess that's sick. The, that's that like is what brings this side quest together. I think is the reason they did this is because, uh, to kind of bring Tamio into the story and explain her backstory. A with that,
0: more. that's pretty awesome. I did not know that, so um, I like that a lot. That this has been planned for a while. Wonderful, love. Uh,
1: yeah, or whether it was planned or they just like that was part of Tamio's backstory and they wove that into the story.
0: Sure, but like in either case, yeah. it's nice that that those old text and new text fit. And uh, yeah, we have a nice little uh, chat with Tamio. She doesn't really talk very much to Nashi about those types of incidents and are continuing to try to get him to overcome them. Um, because of course it's horrible trauma and you don't want to bring it up all the time. So, Hey, don't talk to my son about that fucking horrible thing where that my his parents <laughs> yeah. burned. Like don't, please
1: do don't mention. Uh, yeah, right. She's like, so she's about to wipe his memory. So she, he stops chasing after her son and then he mentions Tesseract, mm-hmm. and that's what makes her like come to terms with them. But yeah, exactly. When they're at, when they're at her home drinking tea or whatever and, Nashi comes around. She's, she tells him in his mind with uh, telepathy, telepathy uh, that please don't mention the horrible man who killed my son's entire village and family. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that would you know, be because that horribly scarring.
1: Try not to have him relive that trauma. Yeah, that'd be nice.
0: He just wants to go, because um, uh, Nashi is like really enthusiastic and loves technology and working on it. And immediately the first... like a smart kid. Yeah, like, basically sees uh, Kaito's drone and has, like, a million questions of how it works and all the different things. And what chips did you use? And uh, never mind, I have too many questions. I need to stop talking. Um, That kind of uh, feeling.
1: Yeah, because he's trying to build his own drone.
0: Mm -hmm. So uh, through this conversation, it's kind of like, it feels like they sit down for tea. Tamio uh, explains uh, that she actually knows who the Emperor is and has met them before, which... Mm -hmm. Would make sense because Tamio and the Emperor were both at the War of the Spark. What? What? Um, this is the first time we were introduced to the Wanderer,
1: which oh. is uh,
0: the Wandering Emperor and Kamigawa. Obviously, this isn't something you're learning right now. I'm I'm sure because the cards have been out <laughs> for a week and you've been looking at them. But
1: yeah,
0: um, this is. Nice that we're finally kind of tying some things together from a character we've known earlier, and now we're kind of finding out, oh, all these things about them. And Cameo knows that uh I think this is the moment we realize it that the wanderer wanders uh not of their own power. They right. their spark is unstable and they do not choose where they go, they just planeswalk randomly. So the only reason the Wanderer was at the War of the Spark is because uh, the That's just uh, where they well, the, no, the, the planar beacon pulled all oh, the planeswalkers yeah, right. to Ravnica yeah. and so they got immediately pulled to Ravnica and could not leave uh, because of the Immortal Sun. Now, my question here, where the fuck was Kaito during the War of the Spark? Because he's a planeswalker and all the planeswalkers were pu- pulled to Ravnica.
1: It must have been during the one year when the Emperor was a Planeswalker and Kaito was not yet a Planeswalker.
0: So then, that means that the Wanderer... So the Emperor
1: was like 14. Was or the Wanderer was 14.
0: 14, 15-ish. Um, yeah. At the War of the Spark. That, that can make sense. I can kind of piece that together a little bit.
1: That's why the card was so crappy.
0: Yeah. It's not... It's, it's just a kid. Yeah, but it's... It, <laughs> the original Wanderer isn't the worst, though. It's it's like... Um, it's acceptable. <laughs> I guess playing it in commander like every once in a while the like prevent non-combat damage thing really comes up and you're like oh yeah Mm -hmm. prevent that and that just is helpful but anyway it's
1: not one of the ones that saw much play no
0: no it's it was a helpful removal spell unlimited anyway (laughs) let's it doesn't
1: doesn't matter (laughs) we digress we digress
0: but important information
1: so I don't know if it's just because I already sort of like Obviously, I already knew that the Emperor was the Wanderer, and she planeswalked on that Mm -hmm. night when he couldn't find her. But I was sitting there like, okay, your raccoon dog is a kami that was destined to find the Emperor. It's created to find the Emperor. And then when you also wanted to find the Emperor, it merged teams with you and ignited your spark and gave you the ability to planeswalk. Shouldn't you have figured out that maybe the Emperor planeswalked somewhere because this thing is trying to be like hey we need to go to other planes to find the emperor
0: yeah well yes they like
1: and he was searching on other planes mm -hmm. right so then it's just like he sounds so surprised of course she was a planeswalker and that's why she planeswalked that night it's like why do you sound surprised you were already looking for her on other planes
0: maybe this was him piecing it together that maybe she was moving around while he was moving around in in his mind, she was in one place, and he would just had to find the place. Maybe that's it was what,
1: like Tezzeret took her somewhere and he hid
0: her or something, him, and she, like, he yeah. had to just find her for
1: ten years. Come on,
0: yeah, because later we find a little bit more information about this kind of uh, situation. But um, also,
1: Kaito's not you know necessarily the sharpest tool in the shed. No, he's so supposed to be a samurai. Like it. a- <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Tamio does talk about the reality chip, uh, which is the. Jellyfish looking thing that we have the blueprints for from earlier, and we think that this piece of technology is a thing that could keep Tamio in one or, sorry, not keep Tamio, keep the wanderer in one place and keep their spark stable.
1: Right. and kaito, you know. Even though he wasn't able to put a lot of different obvious things together so far. Mm -hmm. He was able to put it together that the blueprints he saw were probably that reality chip that she's talking about.
0: Now, at this moment, do we know that Tezzeret was involved with the reality chip? And that was probably the piece of uh, technology that sent the, the Wanderer on her Spark journey? Or is that something we learn later? I can't remember.
1: So... It's something that we only know adjacently. We know that um, Tameshi was working on or built this thing and Tameshi was meeting with Tezzeret.
0: Right. So um...
1: I think we know that it was Tezzeret, actually, because Tamiyo has been studying Tezzeret for a while. Yes. And she said, right, we should? I've been watching him. We should do, do this slowly, gather as much information, figure out why they're doing this before we fight them because we only have one shot at this. They don't know we're on to them. They don't know about us. We know about them. We only have one chance. And Kaito's like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, I'll totally do that. And then as soon as he leaves, he runs right for the lab and tries to fuck shit up.
0: Classic. So uh, Kaito once again gets into Atawara so that he can uh, find the uh, reality chip. And I
1: think they even said like, oh no, maybe this is the next one, but it's like the cameras are still Fucked up from last time yeah <laughs> it's just like whatever the security yeah. at this place is not all it's cracked up
0: it's being. pretty you know, shitty when uh <laughs> this guy who's not the sharpest tool in the box uh can can do it but, um, he, but
1: he does have a key card
0: now it's true he does have a key card so uh he jumps into uh the lab and there is just fucking deflated commie everywhere just like it reminds me of that episode of spongebob where they're obsessed with the jellyfish jelly And all the jellyfish are like kind of slumped around on the ground. I don't know if you watched a lot of SpongeBob as a kid. but
1: I know what SpongeBob is, but I don't know.
0: There's just, it's really sad where there's all these jellyfish just like basically getting milked to death around them. It kind of feels like that Kami. It's a
1: kid's show. That's a bummer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but um, in any case, uh, there's a lot of Kami around that look very unwell. They're still alive, they're just right. not...
1: like all their energy has been sapped, yeah. kind of. Uh,
0: and then we find the jellyfish reality chip. Yeah. Which so Kaito pockets. Pockets that. Yep. And uh, gets away scot-free, right?
1: Oh, not quite, not quite. actually. While well, he's in the hallway, you know, whistling away, walking down, thinking he just won at life he, i think there's even a line of him being like stupid tanya waiting is for idiots." yeah exactly <laughs> and then he basically walks right into the big metal monster from the warehouse that killed his friend uh who reveals himself sort of but he reveals his name what was his name
0: Jin gitaxis
1: <gasps> oh my god isn't that the oh my god. a phyrexian what? Aito doesn't know what he's messing with. I haven't
0: with. seen a Phyrexian since Kaldheim.
1: What? This is insane.
0: <laughs> no, it actually is really exciting. Um, yeah. So we have a Phyrexian, which we, uh, you know, through the conversation earlier, and uh, we knew exactly what this was just by them talking about it. Um, yeah. Because that's what fractions look like, and that's what Jin. I mean,
1: they also, like, put the art in the story. Well,
0: you know, there know. is that, too. In
1: case there was any doubt, yeah. it's just a big picture of Jin Kataxians. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so Jin Gitaxis is there. However, um, they're, they won't fight with Kaito. There's a bunch of ninjas there as well. That's ah, ninja surprise. I feel like
1: if he just killed Kaito, the story would have gone a little differently. But anyways, he decides to chill mm-hmm. while his, uh, former allies, I mean, I guess maybe they weren't reckoners, but I don't anyways, know. They're definitely ninjas. There's a bunch of ninjas. They all... <laughs> attack kaito (laughs) kaito does a classic but he's slightly better than them yeah they do the one guy at a time thing yeah yeah
0: (laughs) and uh kaito throws his smoke bomb on the ground just to be able to escape out the window uh and, and get away from all the ninjas where of course right outside is a giant mech it's a mech that turns into a dragon when he gets
1: there, um, so he's pretty—he's pretty fucked, actually. Mm-hmm. He looks and he's like, "That dragon is about to use its dragon breath, and the it's birth will be too wide, like shivan fire, to do or whatever." Yeah, and uh, you know, I can't just planeswalk slightly further away um, for reasons, and so he thinks he's screwed, but out of nowhere, some sort of wandering entity. Just comes out and, boom, kills the dragon mac.
0: In classic, it's in one place. There's a slice in the middle, and it slides exactly. apart.
1: It's about to, you know, it's mm-hmm. about to shoot its uh, dragon breath, and then...
0: It's dead. <laughs> and then the Wanderer is standing there. And Tamio is also there to put an invisibility spell on them so that uh, Jinn attacks cannot see. Uh, and they kind of have a cute little reunion of, like whatever bad whatever one liner that the wanderer says uh as they escape and uh finally our 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 protagonist has finally found the one person they've been looking for this whole story
1: it's it's nice he found Mm -hmm. his friend yes his friend they have a very (laughs) close friend friend he's been tirelessly searching for for 10 years Mm -hmm.
0: they're only friends though it's fine um Anyway, so uh, with that, I think we are ready for another beer break before we get into yeah. the final act of our right. Drunken Bortos. That
1: concludes, you know, act two. And I don't know about you, but when I go to see a play, I always get another beer between acts. So
0: Yeah, that's true. Whenever I can, whenever I can, I will get another beer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anytime they allow me.
0: <laughs> so then let's go to a beer break. So our third beer of the evening is Old Style Pilsner. Mm. Nice. So this is a, of course, a pilsner made in Canada. It is five percent, and it was made in nineteen twenty six, um, and it has probably, I, I believe, the like the actual brewery might have changed hands a couple times. It is now currently being made by. Uh, um, Molson Coors is the company that owns it. But it does have a very specific, like, um, campaign style.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: And if you look at the can, there's like a little, uh, it's like a car with some bunnies in it that are driving by this train. And if you go to the website, they actually have an 8-bit video game you can play of a car with the rabbits in it trying to pick up beer cans and uh, bring the beer to the village. It's very... uh, It's very strange i was surprised going to the website and playing a video game but i got stuck in it for a little bit being like oh this is kind of fun um sure but uh, i like that they uh they put the effort into that and they they most of the information they give you is oh we make this pilsner in pills country and uh and they have pictures <laughs> of pills country which is of course an imaginary place um mm-hmm. but i like that idea of like hey this is essentially it, it's a silver beer it's just like a A really cheap one that's like you can drink well, and uh, but the mythos that they've built behind this is kind of nice. So um, I think that might be a good way of getting uh, these sold.
1: I know this as the cheapest beer in the LCBO. Yes, (laughs) I think it's two bucks a beer. Uh,
0: It is, which also brings it to the classic like this is Pabst Blue Ribbon. That's the level, you know. Some of these other ones, you know, we had Miller High Life, which is like. 225 or something moose head can, oh, can creep up to three expensive. so <laughs> you know let's see if it's if it's so bad that you can't get it or hey maybe it's uh might beat out some of the more expensive ones stay tuned to find out yeah. but before we get there we have some more story for you
1: yeah so uh before the break I'm sure that you know everybody needs a reminder. <laughs> it happened like a second uh, ago. <laughs> the emperor saved Kaito's ass for what I'm sure is the first and only time that that will happen. Yeah, um,
0: <laughs> definitely the only time for sure. Yeah, yeah. Kaito mm-hmm. can fight very well. Yeah, yeah. Never uh, needs his ass. Never saved needs again. his ass saved. Um, so they have safely traveled to uh, Aganjo. So now we have. Kaito Tamio and the Emperor, the Wandering Emperor, uh, are safely there. And uh, they're looking over um, Kayodai, who doesn't seem super well. And the Emperor also doesn't feel extremely well at that moment. Because they do still have that kind of psychic connection between their feelings. And right. while this is happening, the Emperor is fighting to make sure that she stays on the plane. Because as we know, the, uh, the, the Wanderer, the Emperor... Uh, their, their spark wants them to planeswalk constantly. So she's fighting to try to stay on this plane as she has this, these pains in her stomach and her body.
1: Now, so what I didn't quite understand is like, is her wandering nature so bad that she wants to planeswalk like this often, like within hours or, you know, even a day of arriving on the plane? Or is it she somehow sensed that she needed to be on Kamigawa somehow got herself to go there, but she's not supposed to be there. And so her wandering nature needs her to leave. It's like pushing her to leave. Like they didn't totally explain how the emperor, you know, came into the exact situation when Kaito needed saving on Kamigawa, but I assume it was some sort of like, Hey, my, you know, my friend, uh, really needs my help right now.
0: Yeah, so- I'm, I'm assuming it's some sort of divine intervention. I'm sure there is some connection with uh, Himoto, the the uh, Natuki, ta, na, what is it? Tanuki. Tanuki. Um, and um, Kayodai, so maybe that was kind of like something going on with that because they have a connection and so does the emperor. Um, my understanding is that no one understands how the emperor or the wanderer um, walks or why, or how often, or where. So we get to kind of make up the rules as we tell the story. Yeah, I
1: mean, it seems it seems that she doesn't just planeswalk every few hours. And so the fact that she was so uncomfortable being on Kamigawa after like an hour or two of being there, to me, maybe signified... She's not supposed, like, her spark doesn't want her to be here. Uh,
0: gotcha. Maybe. Who knows? Um, I wonder if it's like she planes walks and stays somewhere for a week and then planes walks and then is there for an hour and planes walks somewhere else and stays there for three months and then planes walks somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of like. Yeah.
1: And it's just unlucky that this yeah. was a short one
0: where she actually wants to be here. Um, but we are here. And of course, we have the reality chip, which was swiped and safely stowed with Kaito. And we do just straight up insert it right into the Emperor's hand. On the back of it, uh, just like in her veins, kind of. Ugh, I, I hate needles. Yeah, so, that, so
1: I guess the chip, like, stays there. And then that's what the jellyfish tentacles are for. They, like, s- jump through your flesh and, like, hook up with your veins. Ugh,
0: ugh, I can't.
1: Yeah. Ugh, I don't like that. Anyway,
0: um, so that seems to be helping. Um, while the Emperor is now stabilizing because of the reality chip. Aiko uh, and Lightpaw have now joined up with them into our gang. Now we got a gang. Love having a gang on yeah. a uh,
1: plane. The whole, <laughs> the band is back
0: together. Yeah,
1: everyone's together. And, uh, oh no! And Tamio's there.
0: And Tamio's there as well. Yeah. Um, but, oh no, we do find out that uh, now that uh, the Wanderer has the reality chip in her skin, she is now getting just flashes of Atawara, just where the chip was made. There's like a machine there that created this chip and so she has visions of what's going on there. So not only does she have a weird connection with Kayodai and Aganjo, she now has the reality chip that gives her visions of what's happening over in Atawara, uh, where the bad guys are. <laughs>
1: Super helpful, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> or... <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really convenient. Maybe not. So what she finds out is that uh, because she came in and killed the dragon mech, uh, Jin Kataxis now knows that she's back, and he has spread that information to her enemies, essentially. he's There are some uprising uprisers in Kamigawa who believe that, uh, you know, the Igonjo castle shouldn't lead anymore and they should be free and... and uh, there should be no emperor, basically. Yeah.
0: Well, to be fair, so this character is Rizona, who we have not met yet in the story or in the cards at this moment. Um, and oh. she leads the Asari Uprisers, uh, who we have seen some uh, cards spoiled so far that are a part of the Asari. But it's kind of like the red uh, samurai uh in the mountains where they live. And they are headed to Aganjo to attack the Emperor. Um, which, you know, to be fair, they don't believe that Kamigawa needs an emperor because, you know, they've been doing okay for the last ten years without one. So, you know, I can't really blame them for being upset. And uh, you know, it is what it is.
1: Uh yeah, so she gets kind of wind of that because Jin Gitaxis is the one who tipped them off and they wanted to get there before the castle would be ready and all that and Luckily, she has this pairing now, so she knows right away. And so she mobilizes the uh, samurai to defend the, the keep. Uh, and then they also have to make a plan for what to do about the lab, basically. Because, you know, there was all these, this equipment in the lab uh, and all these kami there. So, so they're <laughs> deciding who does what, basically.
0: Yeah. Um, Kaito has a great plan. Hey, let's fucking blow it up. Let's blow up all the yeah. stuff, all of it to smithereens. Of course, Light doesn't think that's a good idea because, hey, leveling a building uh, doesn't seem amazing, <laughs> especially for the futurists.
1: But but Kaito seems sure that if he blows it up, they'll lose all their research and won't have any ability to uh, get it keep off doing
0: the internet, internet or whatever because
1: they definitely there's you know, no internet. Save it to the cloud, yeah, or
0: something. Um, um, <laughs> um, but the Wandering Emperor thinks that's also a really good idea, and she should come along. That the three planeswalkers. She'd go together into Atawara, back where Jin Texas is, and blow it up, the three of them.
1: Don't worry, though. She gets guilt-tripped into staying.
0: Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so she can't go because they're like, oh, you know what? No, the samurai want to protect you here. Um, you should stay because it's just the nice thing to do. She's like, okay, I guess I leave all the time, so maybe I should stay sometimes.
1: hey man just actually do your job for like 10 minutes
0: you're like holy shit like just can you please (laughs) obviously light paul would be a much better emperor than the wandering emperor because light paul knows what to do all the time
1: if only that were possible if only it was possible but in reality she ends up staying because uh is quite weak as well and so if uh were to get who knows what could happen
0: exactly so it's kind of this weird, the Wandering Emperor, if she goes, she knows what Kaiodai is feeling and would feel upset by that. If she stays, she can see what's going on in the lab and kind of uh, see things from there. So in either sense, it's kind of like she's, she's kind of trapped between these weird worlds. But in the end, Kaito and Tamio are the only ones to go destroy the lab.
1: So they trot off onwards to adventure mm-hmm. and they go to the lab.
0: And they walk and there. they get
1: this... <laughs> they just yeah, walk. They're, they're like, yeah, let's, let's. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's like a, you know, speed walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, yeah ninja. Like a,
1: a light jog.
0: Naruto or... run, I'm sure. You know, because he's a yeah. ninja, right? <laughs> so
1: <laughs> It's like Goku running along that wall. Do you remember the episode God. where Goku's running on the wall?
0: What The, 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 the episode? Were
1: only, <laughs> the, there were only like 40 of them. So this yeah. missed all 40 of those episodes.
0: <laughs> like the what the snake thing to go to where he trains in the really heavy gravity area yeah um yeah,
1: hyperbolic time chamber yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> sorry
0: anyway so um they end up getting to ottawa and whoa it seems pretty easy to break in this time <laughs> easier than all the other yeah. times uh, yeah, that's
1: that's what I was thinking when <laughs> I got there. It's like it was super easy all other times as well. But it was even easier this time. Yeah. I think this is when they even mentioned that the cameras were still bugged from when he did it earlier. And you're so like, wait a fixed. second.
0: Hmm. <laughs> this should have been harder. Whatever. Let's just keep going. Anyways,
1: shoulder shrug. Yeah. It, so this is the part where it's like I know Kaito's, you know, not proven to be a genius. I'm pretty sure that Tamio is supposed to be at least somewhat intellectual, and like and she's just like you know what this is fine.
0: This is fine. This is great. The actually. door
1: is literally like open for them when yeah. they go there.
0: They walk in. They're like, look, there's no kami on the ground anymore. That's a, a big good arrow.
1: Thing. Like, hey, Kaito and Tamio, this way. Go there. <laughs>
0: uh, turns out it's a trap because you know why would it not be a trap? <laughs> and uh, Jin Gitaxis My favorite
1: part two. <laughs> and <Tezzeret laughs> part two is they're they're coming up to the thing. And he's like, oh no, what if it's so easy to get here because because they've already moved their lab? And he runs in. (laughs) No, it's because it's a trap, dumbass. Not because they've already moved their shit. What are you thinking? They're not
0: afraid of you. You can't fight for (laughs) shit.
1: So (laughs) (laughs) why would everyone who's reading this is like trap, trap, it's a trap, trap, it's a trap. And you're like, no, it's because they already got rid of the evidence runs in like what the?
0: <laughs> dumb anyway it didn't even matter if he ran in or not but uh it's a trap and uh <laughs> they basically just get uh wrapped up in in shit and uh well they're uh they're fucked now they're fucked
1: yeah so tamio is like literally wrapped in random metal that mm-hmm. came out of the ceiling or something i wasn't totally Tezzeret
0: sure is like magneto and he can control other technologies um, yeah i wasn't so, aware of this before but he can
1: yeah yeah he controls metal yeah. basically and so kaito has like metal all over him so he tries to fight him but obviously to no avail and then my favorite part is later he, he has this moment this introspective moment where he's like is it important enough to blow up everything with me in it you know and, uh, yeah in order to save kamigawa or to save the emperor is mostly what he's thinking about and he decides that it is. And then I was like, but you're, the bombs you took are technology that Tezzeret has proven to you several times by the end of this fight that he can control. But I just love this. In- and then he's like, I'll do it. yeah!" <laughs> and then Tezzeret just like controls the bomb and throws it away. He just like, like yeah, it. he pulls
0: it apart into all these little pieces and it's just a bunch of screws and shit on the ground. And Kaija's like, like,
1: again, your, your stupidity is charming. But yeah. Like, come on. <laughs>
0: Just eat some more pork dumplings. I know you like this.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, which, to be fair, I could... Right now, after a couple of beers, I could use some pork dumplings. That sounds pretty good.
1: Okay, but then the luck continues because, as we mentioned, the emperor can see all, basically. And she sees that her friends idiotically walked into a trap and got themselves super, super fucked up. Fucked. <laughs> and so she knows, hey... I know Kyodai needs me, and I know my samurai need me, but these two need me way more. They are literally fucked. So she uh, communes with Kyodai actually, to give her the energy to be able to planeswalk right into the lab where her friends are being held captive. And she actually t- like appears right on top of Jin Gataxis and basically has her sword ready and slashes straight through him, just cleaves him pretty much in half. Uh, that's where we enter the next episode
0: yeah cliffhanger i love it my main takeaway from that is holy shit did they kill Jin texas what the fuck i was like oh, <laughs> i was like most worried about Jin texas at this moment <laughs> like, oh no, Wait, that's oh, no not the praetor <laughs> praetors are so cool you can't kill them um
1: but that's the thing i don't think you can really kill firexines. yeah they just get like rebuilt you know? exactly
0: um which may happen, but oh I mean, yes, no, no, no I don't know.
1: Is Jin Ketaxis dead? Yeah. Who
0: knows? Um, uh, so now we go into the middle of this fight in Ottawa and uh, Jin Kitakas is just fucked up on the floor, and we're like, you know, are you dead? I don't know. Are you yeah, split uh, in half? You you got a big gash, but like I, you don't really bleed, so like I don't know. Maybe there's some oil leaking. I, I can't tell. Um, yeah. And uh, as this is happening. Uh, The wanderer has, uh, like, trapped Tezzeret in this uh, sort of, I don't know, bubble thing. (laughs) And uh, she's freeing all all, uh, her friends. And there's, of course, a bunch of other samurai around doing things, because they just show up whenever you need them as uh, uh, characters to kill.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just, like, ninja samurai. They're just expendable yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Churchy characters,
0: and uh, we have now freed Kaito and uh, Tamio from their restraints, and while the wanderer is keeping Tezzeret into this his his weird stasis, um, she is now pulled over to uh, the pain of of. Um, Dai, fuck <laughs> i forgot I forgot the name for a second so Dai is like basically getting sieged upon so that's pulling the wanderer's uh attention away from where she is right now and tezzeret kind of gets freed and is going to attack her and i love this where uh kaito just throws some crates at him and they knock him unconscious
1: yeah <laughs> he uses his telekinesis to just like hit him in the back of the head with crates. And the first one doesn't do it, but the second one really knocks him out. Um, but I just think it's funny. Cause yeah. So Tamio had him with her like paralyzing spell, her classic mm-hmm. uh, scroll that she already used on Kaito. And then uh Kaito's like, wait a minute. His body is unable to move, but what about his mind? And as he thinks that Tezzeret controls the, like <laughs> um, the, the, metal that's in the reality chip in turn starts like fucking shit up, right? Just like Alright, well, I like your quick thinking of just knocking him out with a crate that yeah. was behind him. But, you know, the most important thing to me is learning from your mistakes. So you were like, damn, the paralyzing spell doesn't control Tezzeret's power to affect metal and in particular the reality chip. So I'd just like to say that going forward, we should keep that in mind, that that's an important thing to note. And, uh, you know, like I tell my students, one mistake is okay, but you got to learn.
0: But you two learn? is an F.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two, well, no, like one mistake is an F, and two is like you fail so bad you can't actually even attend the university. You have it.
0: to move to the States. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Now Tezzeret is unconscious on the ground. And as it's happening, we're like, okay, what the fuck is the plan? What are we going to do? So, a Jin seems to be dead. Tezzeret is unconscious. Ninjas dealt with. And we're trying to figure out how do we get to Kaiodai as fast as possible. Because we know Kaiodai is in trouble. And uh, Kaito has this whole thing where he's like, well, we don't want to leave our prisoner here. But we can't walk because it takes forever um hmm, but you know carrying a there's a part where kaito is like carrying a really heavy man made of metal would
1: hurt my back
0: so i don't want to yeah, do yeah. that
1: i think he, he even uses the line like i don't know if you've noticed but he's all muscle and metal yeah like, what, like, what?
0: <laughs> okay um aren't you telekinetic can't you just pick him up with your mind i'm confused um so i help me with the the bits of this plan because there's something where they take a mech and they decide because both tamio and kaito have telekinesis that they can use their telekinesis in in tandem to fly this mech using the reality chip that they take out of the wanderer
1: right so there's a sentry mech that flies around the city as a spot like a i don't know like it's trying to protect the city right so Mm -hmm. it's a police entity Now, Tamio and Kaito have telekinetic powers, but while you can throw a crate at someone's head, it's different to control a giant mech that can transport everyone for an hour or whatever how far it is.
0: Including a fully muscular metal man.
1: Yeah, including a muscle metal dude. (laughs) uh, Basically, they decide that together their telekinetic powers aren't enough to do that, but... Tamio has surmised that the reality chip focuses and increases powers. So if she attaches the reality chip to herself and with Kaito's help, she thinks maybe they can take control of one of these things and fly it all the way to Aigonjo. Which, hey, uh, turns out she was right. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's exactly enough power to get the job done. (laughs) It's like... uh, I estimate that that would put our power level over 9,000. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that's exactly enough to fly to Agonjo Castle. Yeah. Uh,
0: so as we're getting to Aganjo, um Tezzeret wakes up and uh, decides that he's going to take all of Kaito's smoke bombs and explode them right there in, like, the the thing that they're in. And uh, remember,
1: all they did was knock him out with a crate it's, it's not like a magic spell nothing they really happened yeah
0: he's not paralyzed he just was knocked out so we woke up uh threw smoke everywhere everyone's coughing and of course we crash land our thing into the ground into a ganjo yeah but we wanted to be there anyway so that's good right although tezzeret's you know running around uh doing just like things. to say that's
1: the second time that tezzeret has been your captive and escaped with his ability to control uh Technology, technology which you are well aware of.
0: it's also important to know that all of kaito's bombs have been taken that uh he doesn't have a single one left you <laughs> it might be important later
1: <laughs> maybe.
0: maybe maybe just maybe just maybe um <laughs> So, after they crash land, the Wanderer runs to Kayodai, which means Tezzeret runs after her, because he wants to get her. <laughs> it's
1: relevant for such a stupid reason.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which means that Kaito wants to run after Tezzeret to to stop him from getting to the Wanderer, who's getting to Kayodai, and then Tamiyo flies above them all, just watching it happen. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: Tamiyo's just
0: like, <laughs> la, <I don't> <laughs> yeah, la, la, I'm up here. <laughs> um, and uh, through all of this, um, Uh, The Wanderer is much faster than the rest of them, and to move quickly, Kaito takes off all of his uh, armor and different things, and he catches up to Tezzeret, and they square off. And it's, uh, oh, sorry, before this happens, uh, after they crashed, um, Kaito's like, oh, I gotta do something really quickly. And then he whispers something to his tanuki, and then lets it run off, and they're like, "What's that?" He's like, "Plan B" or whatever he said. I don't know. He he said some one liner at that moment, and I can't remember
1: what it was. But yeah, and I also want to give Kaito maybe undeserved credit, but he took off a lot of the metal and technology in his armor and stuff, so that Tzad couldn't just like control him. Okay, there we go. Easily
0: coming full circle. Um, He's starting to learn, right? You're you're yeah. You're picking up <laughs> on that. That story it might isn't? have
1: just been to catch up to him, but uh, yeah. Um, and the other thing is that's hilarious is that so Kaito is tracking Tesseret. So hold on to that uh, learning thing. And he sees that Tamio is floating above him, and Tesseret is so focused on getting to the Emperor that Tesseret does not see Tamio, and she's reading a scroll. And Kaito literally throws something at Tesseret. It hits him. Tesseret notices Tamio and interrupts her reading of the scroll. <laughs> <laughs> he saw that his ally was not being noticed and was about to read a scroll on Tezzeret and was so impulsive that he decided, fuck it, I still need to be the one that hits him Who or does something. it or whatever. And interrupted him and he was like, oh shit, there's Tamio reading her paralyzed scroll. I can't let that happen. And he like fucks her up. And then that's how this like fight on the rooftop starts. So I, I was, you know, about to give Kaito credit for doing something smart. And then it's like, no, you're just an idiot. No, I you're... assume you had ulterior motives for taking off all your metal. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. Just literally. To... It's just lucky. Yeah. You just get lucky. Um, so now they uh, start to fight and it's kind of um, in, in a stance where they're both like pushing their metal things against each other. And it's kind of, the, the face think to Kaido's face. I Kaido's
1: like throwing uh, shingles at him because he knows right. they're not metallic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: um, and they're kind of in the the classic almost standstill of where they're they're talking to each other face to face, but then uh, Tesseret feels uh, like a, a pain in his leg that has been stabbed, uh, and we look down and oh, it's Iko and the Tanuki are Himoto. Uh, and she has a couple more of her uh,
1: dagger things. Um, That's the smartest thing he did the whole thing. Ask for help. Ask his sister for help. Yeah, ask someone for help.
0: Um, It is important to note, I think, that we've forgotten for a while, is that he does have this sword that's really cool that we'd never talk about that I completely forgot until this moment. Um, It's a sword that also turns into like ninja stars, I guess. So it like unforms and he shoots the the ninja stars around with telekinesis and then they come back and form into a sword again.
1: The best way to understand it is to check out the art for Kaito. His sword has little like triangles coming out the side and those triangles can leave the body of the blade and act as ninja stars.
0: Yeah. Which I continually forgot would happen. Um... So this is the first oh, yeah, time it's always I like he remember. sent
1: the ninja stars at the guy and I'm like, oh fuck. Yeah. The oh, yeah,
0: that's his sword. I forgot.
1: Uh, but when he sent them at Tezzeret is an embarrassing failure.
0: Yeah. So. Well, like most things he's done with Tezzeret besides have someone else attack them. Um, yeah. So Tezzeret is now in pain. Uh but it's not gonna be too bad of a of a wound, essentially.
1: Yeah, like I'm imagining she threw the knife from the ground and they're on the roof. So I'm like not even sure how it pierced him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She must be like, That's
1: a good fucking chuck, I guess. Must have
0: must have remembered how to how to do that. Maybe she has a little bit of telekinesis herself because we don't necessarily yeah. know how people I mean she
1: did train in the military arts or sorry, general general studies. Yeah.
0: In um, any yeah. case. Tamio gets yeah. controlled with the reality chip that she still has uh, by Tezzeret.
1: Okay, but yeah, she uses her scroll again to paralyze him. So oh, while he's right. wounded, she takes out the scroll and paralyzes mm-hmm. him. And then they're all like, okay, job done. Tezzeret's paralyzed. And then for the third fucking time, Tezzeret controls the reality chip on Tamio, stops the paralysis spell against him, and then opens a portal grabs her and jumps through the portal
0: not only did he open a portal but he took his metal arm and just cut into the the yeah yeah he like cut uh, into a new dimension basically like
1: the way he opened the portal was bad it was really fucking cool
0: that's the only thing i remember from that but i was sitting there
1: like are you fucking kidding me you thought the paralysis spell was enough again (laughs) (laughs) how stupid are you (laughs) like Jesus. He's proved time and again that he will control the reality chip through your paralysis.
0: It's so funny because to me when I was reading all of that, it was just like whatever they do is never going to stop Tezzeret and I never cared how it happened because I knew that he would just be able to get out of it. Like I just skimmed over but they're almost li- all of it. It's
1: <laughs> so the exact same thing. They use the same spell and then hes they're like, well, job done. Nothing he can do now. Oh, no. <laughs> he, did he did it again. Okay, the first time I was like, you're stupid for not noticing that. This time, it's totally on you. Yeah, what the- fuck
0: you. <laughs> so um, he stole Tamio. She's gone. Uh, we're like, oh shit. But we now jump over to the Wandering Emperor who is fighting off Rizona, who we still don't very really know much about. They kind of talk about it a little bit in this fight about how she shouldn't be emperor, who should rule, or blah, 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 and ca- blah, 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 who cares. doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Because as they're in a stalemate, fighting by kaiodai to be like I should rule, no, I should rule, and your thing is dumb, and your thing is dumb, a rock comes out of nowhere and hits Rizona in the head, and she falls unconscious on the ground. And who threw the yeah. rock? Kaito. Kaito.
1: Why didn't he throw a smoke bomb?
0: He didn't have any smoke bombs. And he even mentions, oh, "Oh, you know, I would have thrown a smoke bomb except for Tezzeret took all the smoke bombs. Remember earlier? Oh,
1: all of them. Wow,
0: all of them. So important. Um, This turns into a really funny moment for them where they think it's hilarious that, like, he threw a rock. And she's like, you threw a rock? How did you – why didn't you throw something else? But, you know, I don't know. It seemed ridiculous to me. This moment was like, okay, why – why even have the storyline of the Uprisers at all? Because it didn't fucking matter.
1: Yeah, I do want to mention, though, that the Wanderer was, like, easily whooping her ass. Yeah. Uh, but didn't want to kill her. So that was what the kind of right, stalemate okay. that was happening. Is, like, it's like, I'm imagining, like, Neo in The Matrix just easily fighting off Agent Smith mm-hmm. and, like, pushing him away. But if Neo just decided never to actually win the fight and just stood there and, like, kept rebuffing him and being like you're gonna get tired eventually <laughs> yeah <laughs> I could kill you no yeah
0: cause she uh, cause the Wanderer has this moment with Kyodai where she's like talking to her being like I don't want to kill her but what's going on and and she's basically saying this your enemy won't won't stop until like they're if your
1: enemy had won this fight they wouldn't have given you this yeah they would have
0: killed O'dai, you so know. um what are you gonna do and it's kind of like ah oh, do I kill her do I not kill her and then she gets hit with a rock and goes unconscious so we don't have to decide um Right Great uh, strong, strong choice, uh, yeah. by the writer, I think, um, <laughs> to have a rock. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was so dumb. I was like, "Oh, come on." <laughs> like, <talk. laughs> it just makes me feel like all the uprising stuff was very underwhelming and very unnecessary, And it would have been much easier to get rid of all of that completely and just make it more about Tesseret and Gining and put more emphasis on
1: them. I would have liked if the Emperor, like if you're going to keep this storyline, that the Emperor had to make a decision. Yeah, exactly. Right? And I don't even care what the decision was. Yeah. Like if she has to kill her and, you know, that's a terrible thing for her to have to go through or she had to like, I don't know, whatever the alternative option. I guess was.
0: to be fair, this is, this is a choice to keep that character alive um, as opposed to, A lot of times it would be, oh, I don't want to kill you. And then some other exterior thing kills her, which is usually her own undoing. It's like she hits a pillar of the building and then the building falls on top of her and she dies. That tends to be a story that that happens.
1: I just didn't like the idea that like Kaito essentially decided it for her. I would have liked like, you know, she's like a powerful emperor woman who's clearly a super badass like yeah she had to make the decision herself you know
0: or that, something
1: like she decides i'll just knock her out and yeah or, or rather something than, oh she got knocked out by a rock so i don't have to worry yeah about just that. some random
0: rock and it's a funny moment and then i'm gonna kiss my boyfriend she that never happened they, they don't kiss each other um this end bit is fine um basically the the emperor uh knows that she's gonna planeswalk away because she doesn't have the reality chip but the reality chip doesn't work very well so that wasn't a good fix And in her, quote unquote, planeswalking or dying words, she decides that Lightpaw will be the new emperor until she comes back because someone has to rule because Rizona was right. Someone must rule. And it will be Lightpaw because he's really great at ruling stuff. And he's boring as
1: hell. And Lightpaw gets his eighth tail. Whoa. From this.
0: Look at that. Hey, uh, milestone. There you go. Lightpaw gets a new tail.
1: Getting awfully close to eight and a half.
0: Yep uh and that's basically the end of our our story here um kaito has some kind of uh goodbye words uh to everyone and decides he's going to look for tamio even though the wanderer has
1: also gone it's it's now time for a tireless search for another friend
0: (laughs) yeah apparently uh who is cares lots about he does go to her tamio's family to tell them hey She's gone, so don't expect her for dinner.
1: And speaking of which, like him looking tireless, you know, being such a devoted friend, there was one line that just really like gave me pause. Way earlier when he, um, when he's speaking to Tamio, I think, uh, for the first time in her home, but there's a a, a line about Temeshi, where he's like, "Ah, uh, you know, if Temeshi had to die for me to find the emperor." like that's what it takes poor fucking Tameshi is like the only friend that kaito had that he really didn't care about yeah apparently what the hell is that like i got the key card off (laughs) so maybe it was worth it (laughs) the key card that was irrelevant because you broke into the place so easily anyway yeah that's what his life was worth to you oh god
0: (laughs) yeah you're right um Before we go to our beer break and we do our ratings, we do have one last little epilogue to talk about because it's a big one. It's a doozy.
1: Yeah, if you haven't seen any of the spoiler cards, you're about to be surprised. Yeah,
0: (laughs) if you have seen anything, uh, you will know it already. (laughs) We wake up as Tamio is in uh, seemingly new Phyrexia with Jin Gitaxius, who is alive. Uh, Kind of hovering over her, and Tezzeret is there as well. Uh, and we're realizing that Tamio is hooked up to all these fluids and things, and Jinika Taxis has been working on her. And in fact, the, the thing that they were, the f- Phyrexians were looking for on Kamigawa was in fact not the Kami, but Planeswalkers. And right. they have made and created the first Phyrexian Planeswalker. So Tamio has now been completed and turned into a Phyrexian. The most interesting thing about this whole part, uh, which normally seems to be a villainous story where this uh, character has been corrupted with some sort of oil or something else that we've seen before and their character changes. In this instance, Tamio's character seems to be exactly the same. However, her family has turned from being the people she knows on Kamigawa and Nashi, and now her family is actually Phyrexians. However, she's the same Tamiyo we've always known, but her alliance has changed.
1: And her scrolls are written in Phyrexian. Oh, yes. Yeah,
0: she reads Phyrexian now. Um, and she has three, like, iron or like metal scrolls that she swear she would never use on anyone because they're too horrible. They're looking kind of... I have a feeling she's
1: going to use They're this. looking kind of good now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel bad for Nashi.
0: I feel really bad for Nashi now.
1: You're like, that sucks. Hopefully he builds that drone.
0: Hopefully he builds that drone. Hopefully we get a Nashi card. I want to see a Nashi card. Jeff, before we go to our beer break, once again, um, let's just get our quick last thoughts of the of the um, piece. I'll I'll start my last thoughts. I, I kind of have them formulated, but uh, overall, I was uh, I was really happy with the story. Um, I like where it went. Uh, it was really fun to come back to this world, but different, um, we traveled to a bunch of different places in it. However, only a couple of them felt a little disjointed or out of place, but for the most part, it was nice to kind of see all the people and, um, it felt real. Some of the relationships felt, uh, well-established and put together. Even if I could laugh at a couple of them, they felt stronger than a lot of the other ones that we've seen in the past. And uh, ultimately, I liked having consequences to actions. It was helpful where I feel like recently it seems a lot of things kind of got people got off scot-free and seemed to be a little fluffy. Um, so I was happy to see that uh, they fucked up. Something happened to Tamio. The Wanderer is still wandering and uh, we have some work to do. So that was
1: that was that's what I thought yeah i think i'm right there with you uh since we've been doing these drunken vorthos you know we've read a bunch of these stories i think this is one of the better ones i felt like the character's action like it was a little less contrived i would say Mm -hmm. the character's actions for the most part felt a little more motivated and like actually something they might do um versus oh this is this just happened to push the story along which happened in uh the last couple some of the more recent recent ones um and I think part of that too with the whole uh, Innistrad story was trying to fit so many characters into it and you just don't have a lot of, lot to work with. So you have to understand that like this is like five short stories that these people are writing and they're very short stories. So you just don't have that much time to tell a full, a full tale. Uh, but I thought this, yeah, like you're saying, it's pretty good. The the character development was a lot better than it's been mm-hmm. in some of the more recent ones and Um, even if, like, I think some of the stuff that Kaito did did was really stupid. It's like, maybe Kaito's just not a smart guy. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong. Like, your protagonist is not a genius. He excels at other things, you know? So, yeah, it was a, a pretty good story overall. I think I just had a few issues with, like, why wasn't Tamio a little more in tune with some of the obvious stuff that was happening because the first three stories depict her as very in tune with all that and then the last two have her very like i'll just go with the flow and do whatever and walk right into a trap and like yeah you know, like not understand that my spell doesn't work for this and not adapt to that like uh that didn't feel in character for her which i felt bad because she's the first planeswalker to get completed i would have liked that i understood how she got duped into this mm-hmm. uh, a little better but overall is i enjoyed reading it and it was fun, and uh, I think one of the one of the better ones.
0: Let's go to our last call, where we get to drink the last beer of the night and rate all of them and finish this thing up.
1: All right, Zach, you ready for the last one? Yep, here we go. Okay, what we got here is Old Milwaukee Ice. Okay, has to be ice. Uh, uh, so this is, i th- I'm presuming... That it's from the US because it's called Old Milwaukee. Um, but I guess in Canada here, it's owned by like a local, like a Canadian brewery that distributes it, or it works a little differently than it does in the US? It does,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Just re- if you want to read the specs, I'll explain that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, five and a half percent. um, the founding year is 1934. And just a quick tidbit, I don't know if we've done this on the Silver Series before, but we could do it again. Ice is kind of the opposite of light. So an ice beer means that they've run the beer down the line and then they've frozen it. And because alcohol freezes at a lower temperature than water, that means you're freezing water when you freeze it. And then they remove the ice, and so the beer is a little more alcoholic after that. So when you see a beer that's like something ice, it's the opposite of light. They got it up a little bit in percentage by freezing off some of the water.
0: That's really cool. I did not know. that's. I thought they were just trying to say that it's cold. It's, it's, but uh, that's that's really cool. I like that. So ice taking out uh, water in your beer. Makes sense. Um, the reason it was a little funky is because Old Milwaukee was originally, obviously a, it's a U.S. brewery in Milwaukee. Um, but as it was expanding... There was uh, the Canadian part of the... The the Canadian beers are brewed by Sleeman. Um, Mm -hmm. And then through this process of like changing owners and all this stuff, the Canadian one has been kind of separate from the rest of Old Milwaukee. So uh, their percentages changed uh, drastically. So their ice is actually 6% instead of the 5.5 we have up here. And they're Mm -hmm. like... The label is black. There's a bunch of other things that are different. Um, Freeze off
1: more water up there.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Um, but in any case, they do seem to be uh, almost separate entities. So this is um, definitely the Canadian one that we're, we're uh, looking at here. But um, but yeah, still uh, still freezing off your, uh, your water here. It's good.
1: All right. All right. Now we got to rate these, don't we? We got
0: to rate them. We're going to rate them from worst <laughs> to best
1: yeah silver four to silver one so
0: um, i i know what my worst one is are you ready for your worst one your your silver I, four i think
1: i know what my silver four is too
0: mm-hmm. you go first this week
1: all right all right i'll go first um <clears throat> my silver four is the champagne of beers Ooh. yeah this one's the miller high life it's not my favorite um I don't know what it was about it. Maybe it's just its place in the lineup, you know, it's something we always worry about, but uh it just didn't hit me right. Yeah. I just took a sip. And I was like, "Okay. Don't love it."
0: Interesting. Uh my Silver Four is definitely old Milwaukee ice. <laughs>
1: Ooh.
0: I uh, he took
1: one sip and had.
0: The I one knew it immediately it. after that sip. I was like, "It's make or break right here," and uh, boy, did I! I was like, Ooh. <laughs> all right."
1: So, if I'm being honest, I thought that one was going to be my my pick, and so I had oh. it lined up against Miller High Life. And when I took the sip, I was like, "I think that hit me better than Miller High Life." Interesting. <laughs> so, I think that's a an allusion to Old Milwaukee Ice is my my silver three
0: <laughs> because. I think my Silver Three is actually the old style Pilsner. Sure. Um, I was not, uh, I was, I, w- I remember it not being amazing, but uh, then drinking it again, I was like, eh.
1: So I'm really interested to talk about these top two. So okay. the, my bottom two, Miller High Life and Old Milwaukee Ice, are beers I have not really had much. Okay. Um, on the other hand, uh, Moosehead is sort of been my go-to silver beer like before we started doing this Mm -hmm. it's just hey, if you're gonna buy a macro brew or whatever you buy a case of or whatever yeah and so I was interesting how it would hold up in this competition now that we started doing this Mm -hmm. and then when i had uh old style pills oh no (laughs) well all it made me think of is like there's that, that taste that I can't really even quantify or describe, really, that makes me think like I'm a, a 16 year old, you know, drinking beer for the. Like, it has that mm-hmm. kind of for like, sure. these are the types of beers I drank when I was whatever at, like, my friend's attic or basement, uh, you know, when I was, uh, I mean, the uh, uh, legal drinking age. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Sure. yeah. Uh, but, you know, like those types, of, it just has this weird. Um, taste that reminds me of those times which were good times for me like i enjoyed high school so i have like this sort of positive memory associated with it even though i understand that that's like bad beer is like a time when i didn't understand what good beer meant sure sure. i sure, still sure. have like this positive association um so i actually liked old style pilsner as my number two um, okay but it was, it was like that I, acknowledgement that like this isn't good, but it makes me feel like remember things like feel a certain way. No, no, sorry.
0: As you were telling that story, I was prepared for a completely different outcome. I thought you were going to give yeah, that yeah. number one because uh, my silver two was Miller High Life. Um, yeah, which uh, I just didn't think was nearly that horrible. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, didn't seem that different from the other ones we
1: had tasted around it, but see, that's what I'm saying. I think it might be just because I drank it right after Moosehead.
0: Yeah. That, that's probably it. Cause we both agree Moosehead was the best.
1: Um, yeah. Now I don't think it got the toughest competition. Like I think if we threw it in with some of our other silver series, it, it might've been tighter, right? Cause, uh, for sure for me, this was like a, a clear winner. Whereas usually we haven't had that.
0: We usually don't. Um, I don't think that Moosehead coming in. I was I was purposely putting my finger on it, being like, "This is the best one." Um, mm-hmm. I don't even know if it was because we traded, like, had it first, and then each other one just didn't match up at all. And it was to me in my ratings, it slowly degraded to this one was the best, and then it slowly got worse and worse with every beer. So. Right. I don't know if that's why, and if I tasted after another beer, maybe it'd be different. But um,
1: like we've had previous ones where the one we expect to be the best doesn't end up being the best. That's true. This was just the one where it it happened. Yeah, because the one we thought was going to be the best was the best. (laughs) Because
0: old Milwaukee ice was (laughs) put (laughs) in. But uh, I do like that tidbit about the ice. That's nice. It's a nice ice.
1: Um, Yeah, it's fun, right? But but to be fair, ice. Has kind of been on a downward trend because it doesn't taste that good when you do this. Mm -mm. (laughs) Um, You're right. Something else. It's a cheap way to increase alcohol, but it doesn't taste good.
0: It takes something more than just water. There's something in the water that, you know, makes it taste good. Exactly. Um, But anyway, Moosehead is the winner for the evening. Hooray, Moosehead. Um, But with that, it looks like it is closing time. So if you want to reach us and talk to us about how great icing your beer is or if getting iced is fun or anything about ice, you can reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram.
1: You might also find us on MTG Arena under the username Arena Regulars Podcast.
0: You can find me personally at Zulberg. That is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you?
1: I do have Twitter. It is BluesBrewsMTG. If you want to find me, you can figure out how it's spelled.
0: Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. On Spotify, they have a new rating system, so give us five stars there. Uh, Go to our YouTube channel, watch our draft videos, and leave us a comment. we love to talk to you and hear your feedback. This has been the Arena Regulars.
1: Reminding you that when you're up against Tezzeret, Paralysis scrolls may not be your best option.
0: Good night. All right, that's fine.